Welcome, everyone, to Strictly Anime, a podcast for anime reviews and discussions. My name is Courtney. And I am Carl. This is episode 151, and we're reviewing Your Lie in April, part two. As always, there'll be spoilers throughout this episode. We have finally done it after many, many years of being recommended this anime. We have finally finished Your Lie in April, and this stems way back. I don't know if we talked about this on the part one review, but this stems way back um, when my sister first watched Your Lie in April and said that you would really enjoy it because it's a music anime. And I did enjoy it. Um, I would say concluding this finally, it's not as monumental as me completing Marmalade Boy, but it's <laughs> it's up there. And yeah, I'm, I'm glad that we did finish the show. And we have lots to say about it. Um, the second half was... It was interesting, and the fact that we made it this far is is an achievement in and of itself, but I think there's a lot to be said about the way the anime played out, because it, get ready for it, I'm going to use Carl's Carl's phrase. Oh, here we go. It subverted expectations. You think so? (laughs) But before we get into all of that, we want to give a very, very special shout out to our newest patron, and I'm going to try my best to pronounce this, Powell. How How do you say it? You know how to say it. Well, from my limited knowledge of the Polish language and Polish grammar, I think it's pronounced Paweł. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to leave it to you. You're better at pronouncing that than I am. But either way, thank you so much, Paweł, for, for the support. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much for joining the Strictly Fam on the Patreon page. Yes. Thank you, Paweł. Or as I should say, dziękuję. Thank you for your support <laughs> of our podcast. Our appreciation is definitely no lie. And if any of you guys listening would like to support the show as well and get access to things like our bonus episodes, our pre-shows, and even see our show schedules ahead of time, then head over to patreon.com slash strictly series. So let's just dive right into it because I think there's a lot to be said because like I said earlier, your line April kind of subverted expectations in the second half. Um, But if I were to kind of I guess recap my thoughts on this part two. I, I, okay, I have like mostly positive thoughts, but then there are some gripes that I have that maybe, I don't know if they're hot takes, <laughs> but they're definitely um, kind of like left field. Or who knows, maybe other people feel the same way that I do, but there are a lot of great moments in the second half of Your Lie in April that are very special that don't harp too much or try too hard to draw out emotion from the viewer. But then I feel like some of the emotion the show does have is sort of misdirected. You get where I'm going with that? A little bit. I'm still thinking back to your statement about how this series subverted expectations. And I'm thinking about that. We've never watched the show that this gif or this clip is from um of tim robinson going sure about that (laughs) you sure about that because i think this show played out the way that i had expected are you saying that from uh uh, the the perspective of like her dying because i think they made that pretty clear in episode one (laughs) i mean yeah yeah that that's part of it uh i will say that this second half it felt very heavy on parallels between characters where they're trying to reach out to other people like Tsubaki, Nagi, Kosei, and Kaori as as the prime examples. But I feel like those sort of get muddled into 
a lot of rehashed or repeated plot points from the first half that just they they got a little bit frustrating to watch again but i guess that's just the nature of slice of life and of these characters being of that age where you have these emotions and you're not really sure yet what to do with them um but i guess in terms of like the kaori story about how we knew that she was going to eventually meet her dem demise that was what i was i was still invested in that uh, because even though we know the effect uh we don't know the cause i don't know if that's the right metaphor but like we know where the destination is but then it's about the journey of how to get there i don't think at any point they even tell us what illness she's suffering from right yeah actually i was going to look that up uh, before we started recording but um yeah i don't at think least it's they didn't ever... make it clear yeah i assumed it was some sort of like paralysis but it also seemed like it was some like like life threatening. So I don't know if it was more of like a a cancer that was affecting her as well. And that's kind of what I like about the way they approach Kao's whole uh, Kao Kao Kaori Kao because oh. because I think Tubaki calls her Kao Kao Oh Kaori okay. <laughs> Fine, I'll call her Kaori. Um, the way they approach Kaori's slow decline, um, I I really appreciated that they didn't tell us flat out what disease or what what ailment she had. I think that was a really smart decision because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what she has. All that matters is that she's nearing the end of her life. And sometimes, and I've said this before with other shows, sometimes we just don't need to know certain pieces of the story because they don't add anything to the story. And sometimes take or, uh explaining those things may even take away from the importance of like what's going on. Like, are we going to focus too much on the, the illness that she has where we're not going to be focusing as much on the way it impacts the end of her life. So I think that's a, again, a smart decision for them not to, to have that. But also as weird as it sounds, I think this anime's approach to death works perfectly for hitting you right in the feels. I, I think having Kaori's, health slowly decline throughout the show makes it feel super heavy and then having her pass away without even seeing it and not even knowing what what illness she had i think it was a beautiful way to portray the end of her life because again those things aren't important what's important is that she made the most of her final days um, and she kind of passed on her will to kosei and and helped him to keep wanting to strive at his piano playing. So especially when a lot of shows and movies are like super dramatic about death and it's always very sudden and they try really hard to pull the emotion from the viewer, this approach felt more intentional and purposeful and kind of organically drew out that emotion versus kind of forcing it out of the viewer. So I, I did look up uh, what most people are purporting that Kaori had suffered from. It's called Friedrich's ataxia, uh, an inherited disorder that affects some of the body's nerves. Uh, but again, this isn't confirmed in the show, and other sources are saying that she may have died from operation failure, like during her surgery. But that's my assumption. Like the actual mm -hmm. cause of death was the surgery. Yeah, but I, like you said, I think all of that is besides the point. Like we're not here to focus on what Kaori is suffering from. But as I mentioned earlier, I'm more invested in seeing more of 
Kosei and Kaori's relationship, both personally and especially musically, um, seeing that her time is limited. Because even though there are many instances of Kosei still wallowing in self-pity and thinking that he's a nobody, there are many other instances where he has emerged from the winter of his life to his own spring, finally embracing himself in his music and being a proper mentor or model of sorts to those who admire him. And that's all thanks to Kaori and her encouragement in the first half and here as it continues into the second half, even though she on the other end begins to unfortunately fade into her winter of life. And I love, as most of you might not be surprised, I love how music has played such a pivotal role in this journey uh, not just because Kaori has rediscovered what it means to be a musician, but also just the choices of songs that they use in this second half. I mean, there were a lot of great choices of classical songs in the first half, but most especially in the second half to convey the journeys that these characters are going through and and how these classical pieces really reflect the emotions and feelings that they have um, that takes the... I'll take I'll say like takes the sob story of this and brings it to a whole nother level for me personally. So in a way, this is an aside, but in a way, this kind of reminds me of the movie A Walk to Remember. Oh boy. <laughs> Which was like a Was that Mandy Moore? Yes. Uh it was a Nicholas Sparks or a movie based on one of Nicholas Sparks's novels, and he's known to write very very sappy stories, sappy romantic stories, but uh, this just had that same feel for me because, man, that movie, I watched it when I was like 10 years old, but (laughs) that movie wrecked me. And it's same feeling here, but I think it's because I connect so personally with music and seeing Kosei go on this journey with Kaori, especially at the end of her life, um, it was just so moving for me in that sense. I do want to get my gripe, though, one of my major gripes about this show off my chest, because I know I said earlier that I have some concerns or I guess some issues with the way that some of the emotion is directed in this show. And I don't mean directed as in like, like production wise. I mean, like where the emo- the focus is on some of the emotions. So what I'm trying to say is I feel like especially towards the latter half of the second half, um, that everybody is so worried about Kosei and feels so bad for him when, um, you know, he, he's already gone through all the stuff with his mom and he lost his mom and now Kaori is starting to, to you know, fade as well. Everyone feels so bad for him and is so concerned about him. But no one shows that same concern for Kaori. And she's the one mm-hmm. fucking dying. <laughs> yeah. Like maybe it happens off screen. And, and clearly people care about her because the main characters are all visiting her in the hospital, you know, pretty consistently, pretty regularly um, as the months go by. And people, and, you know, the parents are concerned about her health, of course, and all of this. But I feel like every time she takes a turn for the worse, it's not, it's like, oh my God, that sucks for her. But oh my God, Kosei, like, how is he going to handle it? Is he going to be okay? Will he ever play piano again? And I get that Kosei is the main character. So of course, there's going to be a lot of focus on him. But I felt like they needed to at least show a little more concern or put a little more emphasis on the concern around Kaori. Again, because she is the one who's fucking dying. Yeah, I, I thought it was a little bit 
weird that they were seeing things in that perspective. I mean, I, I kind of get it because Kosei had gone through something traumatic in his childhood when it came to his mother and her terminal illness. Um, but yeah, I guess there's there's a sort of relativity that you have to take into account here because yeah, Kosei is like he will obviously be a wreck from this whole situation if it, if it's not remedied properly for him. Uh, but yeah, I, I think the bigger thing is that Kaori is on her deathbed. Um, and I think, it, you know, like Kaori is someone that just happened to come into these characters' lives. So I, I see where they can feel more attachment to Kosei. But yeah, I, I think there is a there's a priority here in this case that needs to be recognized and don't get me wrong i i agree like kosei went through a lot of trauma and this is almost like that trauma is coming back because history is repeating itself to a certain degree and i i think that there should be some a lot of emphasis on you know him trying to grapple with this this repeat reality but there are times there are certain scenes where it almost feels like kaori's at like at fault for his spiraling instead mm. of just it happens to be that Kaori's death is or imminent death is you know triggering some memories for him and whatnot like I'm having a hard time articulating it but sometimes it feels like like Kaori has to almost apologize for dying because she knows it's going to put a lot of stress on Kosei and like, like when she says like don't come to the hospital anymore clearly she's doing it because she cares about him and she wants to protect him from going through this whole ordeal over again um and you know she wants him to focus on piano she doesn't want him to feel upset about her death but part of me almost feels like the way that they approach the the distribution of emotion and the distribution of concern is that Kaori is like almost feeling guilty that she's dying because it's going to hurt Kosei versus just being concerned that she's not going to be alive anymore. I don't know. Like, it's weird. Um, she certainly is concerned because she she wants to play piano. She wants to keep living her life and all that. Violin. Oh, piano. Sorry. Yeah, violin. Um, and so you get a lot of that. But there is almost that, like, underlying feeling that I get watching some of these scenes where I'm like, does Kaori feel guilty for dying because it's going to make Kosei feel some type of way that it could just be me i don't know maybe some other people picked up on that or maybe i'm just a weird person in that way um but yeah so i would have liked to have seen a little more care and attention um for kaori and her well-being just like a little more just, just a sprinkle of it i think it's most extreme it makes kaori feel more like a plot device in Kose's yeah i could story. see that um, although there are instances where you know, we, we see things from her perspective, and especially at the end where um, she says her final piece to Kosei in the form of that, that letter um, that take her out of that sort of role and, and bring her into the light of someone who wanted to have these experiences but knew that her time was limited. And so it was her trying to sort of pass on her legacy to Kosei um, so that her memory can kind of live on through him. And I think that's what he had resolved by the end, rather than wallowing in, in self-pity and having all of these characters kind of pander to him in that sense. Like, he was able to grow out of that in, in a positive way. Um, but, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's just, yeah, thinking about it more, it's like, just someone like they just need to support Kaori a little bit more. That's all. 
And of course, before we dive into this anime centered on music, we need to talk about the OP and ED for this second half. Although I feel like there's not much for us to say with these because we really didn't give them much attention. But all that aside, we have the OP, which is titled Nanairo Symphony or Seven Colored Symphony by, I hope I'm saying this right, Koala Mode. Uh, in terms of the music, it's a softer melody that centers, or the visuals-wise, it centers a little more around Kaori and memories of Kosei and his two original friends, that being Watari and Tsubaki. But otherwise, for me, this was just standard slice-of-life music, standard slice-of-life OP. I feel the exact same way. When I watched this for the first time, by the end of it, I was like, yep, that's a slice-of-life OP. <laughs> that's That's that. Although I will say that this OP is kind of spoiler heavy with that moment where Kosei and Kaori are having that sort of symphony in the sky as they are having a duet together as pianist and violinist, which is something that we see towards the end of the series. Lyrics-wise, I think this is a song about navigating the ups and downs of life with loved ones and creating a quote-unquote symphony of experiences that give you purpose and meaning. So you have lines like, the reason scars don't heal when you try to forget is because trying to forget makes you remember them, which I think is a pretty powerful line about just having those experiences in life where it might not have been so positive, but learning to grow from those quote-unquote scars. Um, you have other things like we're playing a vivid symphony, a rainbow symphony, crying, laughing with a do, re, mi, fa, so, a symphony of emotions resounding together. So in line with the title of the song being a, a seven colored symphony and just making the most out of life with what you have. Then you have the ED, which is orange by, I, I, it's seven with two exclamation points, but I think the band is pronounced as seven oops. What? <laughs> uh, <laughs> so music-wise, you have this sorrowful piano ballad, um, although I, I miss the upbeat ending from the first half by Goose House, which I know makes an appearance in the final episode, which I was glad of. Um, but I think this is more meant to be more of a solemn ending, especially because it's focused more on Kaori and you have this long shot of her in the beginning uh, with tears streaming down her face and floating in the waters uh, until she is launched into the air by some fucking laser. <laughs> um, I don't know if like, that's her like transcending the plane of existence. She's and, getting abducted by aliens. <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, like just uh, imbuing herself into the realm of music and that's, what's ultimately giving her life. And then you have these integrated previews of the next episode, just like in the first half, which I thought was very smart of them to use rather than having like a 30 second preview at the end of an episode. It was a nice ED. I think it was a, a, the tone and the feel very much matched kind of the final months of Kaori's life. And I do really like that shot at the beginning where she's floating in the water. There's something about it that feels very calm, but also very, not dark. Um, it just like- Serene? Maybe. It's it's just like foreshadowing, right? Like we all know what's coming. Mm. And this is kind of like, is she- It's like a melancholy. Yeah, I think that's a good way to describe it. So yeah, I think it, the visuals are really nice in the ED. In terms of lyrics, 
I think this is a song of companionship, likely reflective of the friendship between Kaori and Kosei through their musical endeavors, and that's seen through lines like, we walked with our shoulders in line, laughing about things that didn't matter, as we looked onward toward the same dream. We'll run through the passing seasons, seeing each of our many tomorrows, with seasons being a key word there since a lot of this series kind of uses seasons as a metaphor for the relationship between Kaori and Kosei. All right, Strictly fam, time to drop the attitude and start the etude as we waltz into our synopsis and discussion for Your Lion April, the 2014 anime adaptation of a romantic drama manga series written and illustrated by Naoshi Arakawa. Produced by A1 Pictures and directed by Kyohei Ishiguro, the second half continues to follow renewed young piano prodigy Arima Kosei and his unique musical and personal relationship with violinist Miyazono Kaori, whose health begins to take a turn for the worse. In episode 12, Twinkle Little Star, piano man and violent violinist are at odds over their depressing song choice for their gala concert performance as the former still struggles with his piano traumatic stress disorder caused by his late mother. He decides to blow off some steam by visiting Kaori's parents' pastry shop, setting off illegal fireworks with friends, and having a heart-to-heart with his mother's much kinder friend, Seto. On the day of the gala concert, however, Kaori is nowhere to be found. Perhaps she got cold feet, or is it cold hands, since because violin? So at this point, I mean, I think Kosei had like some inkling, but this is really the point in the show where he starts to catch on that something is wrong with Kaori in terms of her health. Like he he's noticing some weird things and I'm sure he's more, uh, you know, in tune with it because no pun intended, <laughs> because of all this, the stuff that he went through with his mom and seeing her health slowly decline over, I'm guessing, years and years and years. Um, there is a part in this episode where Seto tells Kosei, or maybe not directly to him, but maybe on, a, on the side, that losing his piano hearing was a gift. And I thought that was interesting. Mm-hmm. But I'm also trying to rationalize what she meant by that. So I think it was like how his loss of hearing was a gift in order to allow Kosei to trace the sounds within him. Um, Thinking of this from like a musician standpoint, I I think this kind of goes hand in hand with how Kosei was also always like taught to be very structured in his music playing and to always abide by whatever his mother had, how his mother wanted him to play songs. But Doing that, obviously, that caused him a lot of distress to the point where it felt like he was no longer seeing himself play the piano or like he couldn't recognize himself playing the piano. So I think when Seto says this is allowing him to trace the sounds within him, I think that's more of him processing the emotion that he feels and letting that loose whenever he is at the the piano keys. Okay, so because he can't hear himself playing piano, he can no longer follow the exact script, essentially, that is the music, it's the, the written music itself. Mm-hmm. So he has to come up with an alternate plan, which is basically f- playing the, the music as he feels it. Yeah, so it's one thing to play a song. This is cheesy, but it's another thing to learn how to feel a song, basically. Okay, that makes sense. And to comment on what you said earlier, I think this episode, there were just a lot of blatant hints 
of foreshadowing in regards to Kaori's deteriorating health condition. I think the first one is how the song choice they have is called Love's Sorrow as opposed to Love's Joy. Uh, Kosei visits Kaori's parents at the pastry shop, uh, but you know they, they have a great time together, but once he leaves, we see a shot of their mood kind of turning somber. And there's a point where, I think this is during the scene with the fireworks, um, the the friends are talking about like summer school and getting good grades to um, increase their chances of getting into the whatever schools they endeavor to be in. But then Kaori ominously says she's not thinking about the future since she knows that her time is limited. You know what really tipped me off that she was going to die in the end? What? All the people recommending the show saying, oh my God, it's so sad. <laughs> like, oh, well, I mean, shit, I wonder what's going to happen at the end then. <laughs> I mean, that's always the default you think of when someone says, oh, this show is so great, but it's, it makes you so emotional. Like, yeah, I hit you right in the feels. I'm right. like, gee, I wonder why. <laughs> yeah, that's one of the things. It's like, oh, someone dies, don't they? <laughs> in episode 13, Love's Sorrow, Piano Man says, fuck it, we'll do it live and decides the show must go on without Kaori by his side. Everything comes up roses in his performance, even has visions of his late mother become a prickly little thorn until he buries their hatchet in the ground. Seto and the other gala attendees are floored by his rousing rendition of Rachmaninoff, though she's already seen the ending of this anime and knows that Piano Man's about to go through some real traumatic shit with Kaori. I think episode 13 might be my favorite episode. I thought this was absolutely beautiful. Everything about it was fantastic. Um, I love that, kind of like what we talked about in the previous episode or the hinting of that, um, that Kosei is able to overcome not being able to hear the notes by basically using muscle memory by recalling the way his mother used to play the songs Mm -hmm. and how she taught him to play it, at least in the beginning, before she kind of became more obsessive. Um, And then through that, he's able to come to terms with her abuse and can finally let go of the past. But I think what makes it even more beautiful and and one of the things I absolutely love about this show and the way that they tell the story is that it's not until this point that we get a view from his mother's side and get the Mm -hmm. full story about like why she became abusive in the first place. So this entire time, the show kind of gives you like... um, like piece by piece what's going on or what went on with Kosei's backstory. So you start off thinking like his mom's a fucking bitch. <laughs> she's crazy. She's abusive. Um, and then they, you know, they of course have like a horrible way to end their relationship because Kosei says that he just wishes that she would die already. But as the show goes on and up until this episode, you get more and more context to fully understand both Kosei and his mom's side. So here you finally get the full picture. And we see that she she became so obsessive over his playing because she was so scared to leave him with nothing after she passed away. And that, that hit. Mm-hmm. I was like, wow, okay, I was not expecting that at all. Um, and, and she wanted him to perfect his playing so that he could support himself with a career in music. Not necessarily so that she could live... Um, or she can fulfill her own dreams, right? Like through her child, as we see oftentimes with with certain parenting styles. Um, here, it's because she was more concerned about his livelihood. Like, what is he going to do when I'm not here to support him anymore? And even that part where she was saying things like, 
will he brush his teeth every day and wondering if if she'll be okay after he's gone or sorry after she's gone that hit me like seriously in the feels i don't know if it's because we have a baby now maybe that just like resonated with me more like how important you know the the parent relationship is with their child but either way i thought that was a a fantastic way to tell Kose's backstory. Yeah, obviously it's it's not any way to justify how Kose's mother had raised him using some abusive methods. Uh but I think it again it's not getting the full picture here and seeing the parts of her where yeah, from her perspective, we see, we see that she just wanted Kose to be able to support himself in life, as you were saying. And I think this is also, it connects with how him not being able to, quote-unquote, hear the piano, as we discussed in the earlier episode, and trace the sounds within him. This is where he has that time to reflect on what his mother really was trying to impart onto him before she passed away. And it's really interesting because this is the episode where I think now we see visions of his mother, but she has eyes. Like it's no longer like a, a dark silhouette, uh, kind of giving her that that motherly instinct, um, giving her that, that loving personality. Uh, that's how he learns to empathize and connect with others through his music is by thinking back to thinking back fondly on memories of his mother uh, and saying like, I think he says something like this song has my mother's scent. And that's kind of what leads him down this path. I mean, for us to go from hating this bitch to feeling so bad for her by, you know, within 13 episodes. Yeah. I just, I thought it was brilliant. And you can tell like, it's kind of a, a tough situation because you can't, condone the way she raised Kose towards the end of her life and you can't condone the abuse and and the trauma essentially that she put him through but you can feel for the fact that she was scared that she was her time was limited and it really was a race against time to in her mind at least get him ready to be alone not even to be on his own but to actually be alone I know Mm -hmm. his dad's still around but like I don't know like maybe he he is I don't know (laughs) so she felt very much like he was going to be alone which he kind of is I think it was also interesting with this episode I guess kind of the the pivotal point of the of this performance is that it was supposed to be another duet between Kose and Kaori at, at this gala performance but then that moment is of course robbed from us uh since Kaori ended up in the hospital uh, but it, it started to make it made me start to think like is that the focal point really of them being able to have a proper another proper duet together before she passes away and it's sad because they don't they don't end up having a mm-hmm. duet they it, had one duet and that was right they had the one or was there yeah, another at one the, uh yeah the beginning of the show wasn't yeah it? where she passes out mm-hmm yeah, so they, I mean, to to only have, right, was it one duet? Or maybe there was two. Well, they were preparing for this one. Wasn't it like they went, like, I can't believe it, we already forgot this. <laughs> <laughs> well, either way, they didn't have a lot of time to play together, but mm-hmm. that shows how strong their relationship, is how strong and how quickly their relationship grew through music is mm-hmm. that it only took one, maybe two, you know, duets together to feel that connection. Right, and it's like they are able to uplift each other even if 
one of them is absent. And in this case, it's it's mostly Kaori who's absent because she's in the hospital, but um, it allows Kosei to flourish in his music and to come to these realizations. And it's still with her help, like with her indirect help. In episode 14, Footsteps, Chubaki Tsubaki informs Piano Man about Kaori's admission into the hospital and his undivided attention to violent violinist makes the Sundere softballer experience high school serious thing problems matter. The pair have a private moment along the beach wherein Piano Man states his intention to go to a music school far, far away and Tsubaki is inconsolable. For music has ruined her love life much as it poisoned our water supply, burned our crops, and delivered a plague into our houses. I didn't notice it at first, um, but I think Kaori's, like color scheme is like dulled and muted when she's in the hospital because she's, mm. she's not as vibrantly colored as normal. Um, and you can kind of tell the difference when like the friends go to visit her. Everyone around her is sort of their, num- their normal color palette, but because she's in the hospital... Um, and because she's sick, I think they slowly start to dull her colors um, throughout, like the color of her hair and the color of her skin, and even her lips start to look, you know, very pale. And yeah, that's just like, another indication, another bit of foreshadowing that she's gonna die. Which is interesting because I mean, I, I didn't know if this was really applicable to Kosei's color palette, but he was always describing his life as being like in black and white or in grayscale, but it's Kaori who has shown him the colors of life, basically, while she is kind of experiencing the opposite as her her life begins to slowly fade away. There was that moment where he was sort of questioning if Kaori will leave him the same way his mom left him, and I think that's the start of where I'm like, some of the emotion is misdirected, <laughs> because I, I totally get it. He's realizing Kaori may not be long for this world. And he's like, I can't do this again. He goes to the hospital and sees like, sees Kaori sitting there in the bed, but then like sees flashes of his mom instead. Like it's, it's history repeating itself. And he, he's probably really struggling with that reality and having to go through all of that again. Um, but when, I don't know, like as, as, as the show goes on you get more and more of this like are you gonna leave me everyone leaves me blah blah blah. and i'm like okay but also like she's dying like maybe maybe feel a little bit bad for her as well Mm -hmm. (laughs) again it's it it is what it is um he's the main character i I get it um but but yeah i think this is where i started to notice this i also see that like subaki at this point is kind of taking for granted having kosei around feeling like everything will stay the same forever. But then she slowly starts to realize that things are changing and he's growing up and they won't be nearby each other forever because he's going to move and whatnot. Um, so it's I, I found it very unexpected, but it makes sense that she's like, I, I feel like the only thing that hasn't changed over the years is music taking Kosei away from me. I was like, oh, shit, that's really interesting. Like, I already knew that she wasn't a musically inclined individual, but for her to actually like hate music because of the impact it has on Kosei's life. She only sees it from one side. She doesn't see how special music can be to him because mm-hmm. she's not a musical person. She just sees her friend, you know, not being able to come out and play. And now he's going to like move away from her and all of that. I'm like, Hmm, that's an interesting perspective. Yeah. But also I, I found Tsubaki to be the most annoying character. Yeah. In the this, in this series. Um, like 
I guess is it annoying because she plays the voice actress plays Gabby? Oh, is it really? Uh, I think that's Gabby's voice actor. Oh. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, Ayane Sakura, I think, right? Who's a fantastic voice actress, by the way. Like she, she does amazing work, but it's just you know she plays not oh, so right. exciting characters. Yeah, actually, we didn't talk about some of the voice actors um, in this cast because Natsuki Hanae, the voice of Tanjiro, yeah, plays uh, Kosei. Um, and I know that uh, Yuki Kaji, voice of Aaron Yeager, uh, plays Takeshi, the the, the blonde, spiky-haired pianist who um, always wants to compete against Kosei. Uh, but no, it's not because of it's not because uh, Tsubaki is also voiced by the person who voices Gabby. Uh, it's just that she's just kind of going around in the same circles. Uh, in this episode and in a lot of other episodes of the second half that we already saw in the first season. And I know it's, it maybe just relates to like the adolescent way of thinking where, like you said, you, you want things to be a certain way. Um, but seeing that things are changing is something that you can't wrestle with. Uh, so I guess there is that part of it. Um, I know there's like a symbolic moment where on the beach when she's walking with Kosei, there's a point where she's trailing behind him and you have Tsubaki's footsteps like kind of filling in where Kosei had been walking. Um, so it's uh, it's not like she's living in his shadow, but it's always like she's trying to catch up to him and and, and be with him. But in a way, I don't think she's like, really fully supporting him or having this understanding of him with this kind of selfish thought that she thinks music is taking him away from her. In episode 15, Liar, Tsubaki Tsubaki really thinks there is no one else in the entire fucking Nippon land who can make her happy like Piano Man Piano can. Meanwhile, the prepubescent piano prodigy is busy gallivanting with another girl in the form of his unexpected student apprentice, Nagi Nagi, after being discouraged from visiting Kaori at the hospital because of Watari Yudoing's courtship. Nonetheless, Kaori calls Piano Man demanding he deliver an Uber Eats order of Canelles to her hospital room, for she's fallen and she can't get up. So this whole episode is kind of showing the parallels between Tsubaki feeling like Kosei is leaving her and then Kosei feeling like Kaori is leaving him, and... Yeah, I mean, I just think, like, they're parallels, but on, like, totally fucking different levels because one person is dying and the other one is just, like, <laughs> maturing. That's it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, falling in love with someone who's not Tsubaki. So I, I get the... I appreciate the attempt at creating parallels here, but it makes me feel like Tsubaki just, like, doesn't have perspective here. Like, right. it, yeah, it sucks that maybe, like, Kosei is growing up and moving on, but aren't you being a little selfish by like not supporting him and wanting him to stay and wanting things to stay the same and kind of like, I, I don't know if she full on knows at this point that Kosei has feelings for Kaori, but I, I think, think she's got pretty hi- obvious to everyone. Well, I think she, yeah, she, she's getting hints of that. And I think she's slowly starting to become jealous of Kaori and yeah, it's just weird. It's, it's like a weird feeling I get because I, again, I appreciate the parallels. I understand them, but I'm also like, these are totally different situations, <laughs> like very different with very different outcomes. I think a, a more successful parallel in this episode is when we're introduced to 
Nagi, who I don't think we really find out in this episode. It's hinted, though, with Seto kind of looking at some file she had on her, but that she is the younger sister of Takeshi and how she's basically trying to get an in with Kosei um, to learn more about how or like what makes him tick and what makes Takeshi aspire to be like him and in that same way getting her to capture Takeshi's attention much like Kosei is trying to do with Kaori. So I talked about in the first part of our review for Your Lie in April that I, I felt it was weird that other piano players who are also like young, like they're junior high and younger, are idolizing um, Kosei, but like he doesn't even know that they exist. <laughs> I, I felt like that was so weird. Like when they introduced Takeshi and the, the other chick with the short bangs. Emmy. Emmy. I was like, why like it just it seems so weird that they were so obsessed with the person who didn't even know that they existed and here i kind of felt the same with nagi i'm like are they inter introducing yet another character who in my mind if you were to remove them from the story the core story doesn't change you know what i mean like yeah. i have a hard time sometimes when characters are introduced or storylines or like subplots are introduced when they really don't add a ton to the story I do feel like, though, with Nagi, her her end goal, like her purpose is to show that Kosei eventually grows because mm -hmm. she's experiencing some of the fears and some of the, the things that Kosei experienced when he was younger. And now he's at a point where he's outgrown that and he can mentor her through it. Yeah. But there are other ways that we can also see that Kosei has grown, even just with him teaching piano or being able to play piano, period, and, and her or him getting past the trauma with his mom and, and forgiving her and moving on from that. We've seen plenty of ways that he's grown. So do we necessarily need the Nagi storyline or subplot to help show that further? No, at least in my opinion, I don't think so. Well, I don't necessarily agree with that because I think now that we've seen Kaori I'm sorry, not Kari. Uh, now that we've seen Kosei become fully himself after like reconciling with uh, w with his mother in a way, um, him pushing like him emphasizing more of that mentorship role, uh, it it sort of parallels what his mother had done for him. But obviously, he's he's not turning to really harsh methods when when teaching um, teaching Nagi. Because he's taking a lot of the lessons that Kaori had imparted to him. And we'll see that in a later episode where he has that duet with Nagi. Like a lot of the things that he's imparting to Nagi is pretty much what Kaori had imparted onto him. Um, so I think in that way that really emphasizes his growth as a character by introducing Nagi as his sort of apprentice. Okay, that makes sense. I guess I see the the merit in in having Nagi in the story. Um, I guess do you feel the same then with the whole Takeshi Emi subplot? Uh, no, that was just yeah. I it's just it reminds me of that uh, that Thanos meme where he's like, I don't even know who you are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I yeah, I think that just shows like how people are aspiring to be like Kosei but not realizing that it, it's not a it's not a competition it's more so like growing as a musician also encompasses some like sort of the experiences and feelings you get in life 
Yeah, and I guess it also kind of shows that like his life is not all glamorous as it may seem mm-hmm. to these young kids. Um, he went through a lot of trauma to get there. Yeah, although we don't really get much of Emmy. I, I say it, the show focuses more on Takeshi. Yeah, that's fine. I didn't need much of them anyway. <laughs> um, but the end of this episode, when Kaori falls to the floor and her legs won't move, yo, I was like, oh, God, now they're really, like, they're ramping it up. The seriousness is kind of taken off. <laughs> yeah, but then the, the reality of it is <laughs> that's where I got kind of lost. I mean, more so in terms of, like, why is this hospital hallway so dark? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and where are the overnight nurses? <laughs> like, I know. It's weird because I'm pretty sure hospitals in the evening still have their lights on and that there are staff members. Um, I mean, I guess it's not entirely, like, unrealistic for her to be able to, like, leave her room. But also, like, the fact that it's so fucking dark. Yeah. <laughs> and there's nobody around. I'm like, I don't know. Maybe I just haven't experienced a wing of the hospital like that. But I'm pretty sure it wouldn't be like that. In episode 16, Two of a Kind, after a lesson with Nagi Nagi that goes rather unwell, Piano Man goes on a surprise shopping spree with a Kauri fresh out of the hospital. Although in reality, she is playing a bit of hooky in order to spend some tempo with her human metronome. Later, we learn about how Piano Man influenced Naginagi's villain origin story, but finds them to be kindred spirits in seeking the esteems of a special someone. Though for Piano Man, the proposal of a double suicide by his special someone does seem a bit concerning. Kose is continuing to sort of spiral when his fears, I guess, continue to become reality when Kaori kind of snaps at him. When she finds out he isn't practicing enough, it's it's basically like his mom's situation all over again, um, at least in terms of like the panic that both of them are experiencing and pushing on to Kose because time is limited. They just sort of want to not live through Kose, but make sure that he continues with piano because that that is what, you know, that is what he is best at and that's what he excels at. And, and you know, he should embrace he should embrace um so yeah it's just it was weird seeing her snap in that way like she acts violent but in like a a light-hearted friend kind of way but here she was actually like in panic mode although so when she, when she and kose go on the shopping spree is it that she had like a she had a temporary return to school or was that is she ditched the hospital i think it's implied that she I think she escaped yeah okay (laughs) I think because I think she's like oh I don't have my backpack here and oh I I didn't go to school today or whatever like I think he caught on that she like snuck out escape is a bad word I don't think she's (laughs) confined there (laughs) Mm -hmm. like I think she could leave of her own free will if she wanted to but I also think that they probably discourage her from doing that also Nagi's story I know like (laughs) like we if she kind of has a redemption later on, but it's just funny, like all of these people that Kose keeps turning into villains and he doesn't even know it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) In episode 17, Twilight, Piano Man is still reasonably reeling after Kaori's morbid request, but after some consideration and with Naginagi's help, decides to please Kaori with a much less severe alternative by playing a duet with Nagi for Kaori for the anime's Bunkasai episode. This obviously puts Nagi under pressure by Queen and David Bowie, 
But too late, the Bunkasai episode is up next, so they both suck it up and face the music. So I know I kind of harp on like why everyone focuses on Kosei versus Kaori in this whole Kaori death situation, but it is sad seeing Kosei go through like he's so scared to go through the pain of losing someone again to the point where he'd rather avoid Kaori altogether. And I think that that shows, that emphasizes how difficult his mother's death was for him. So I'm not I don't think he's intentionally trying to be selfish. Um but I think it it, it is extremely difficult for him to be with Kaori knowing that she's going to be gone the same way his mother was gone mm-hmm. uh, and there's nothing that he can do about it. So he would rather avoid the situation altogether, which is sad because her time is limited and she probably wants to spend time with him. Yeah, I also saw it as it's probably his natural instinct as as a young adult or as a teen, not knowing how to react or what to say in these sorts of situations. But that also makes sense. And uh, I know that Watari just encourages him to still be there for Kaori since they have such a special relationship, even if it it doesn't bring him like a positive experience. One line that I think really resounded with me in this episode is when I think there's a point where Seto has a moment with Kosei before the competition or when they're having lessons with Nagi. Uh, Seto says, you gave your body and soul to the piano and that's why you're afraid to expose them. I think this line really speaks to me as a musician because there really is a vulnerability that a pianist or a musician in general expresses in the way that they interpret their pieces, which Kosei had previously struggled with, uh, showing how structure is perceived as a strength while emotion is perceived as a weakness, though I think this statement is is very far from the truth. Um, But this kind of goes hand-in-hand with Kosei passing on Kaori's advice to Nagi before the performance, where he tells her just to play with sincerity and give the performance of your life with everything you've got, which I can also interpret as just really pouring out your emotions in this performance because with you showing so much vulnerability, I think that's what helps musicians, pianists, anyone of the like really connect and empathize with the people who are listening to you and showing them well, like helping them to also emulate the same emotions and 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 reflect on their own experiences as they're listening to it, much like these musicians are imbuing their own experiences into what they're playing. In episode 18, Hearts Come Together, Piano Man and Nagi Nagi perform their Bunka Symphony for piano four hands, with the former's free-flowing style forcing Nagi to play catch-up and giving her a substantial level boost through all the acquired XP all to the audience's delight, except her brother, revealed to be Beat Takeshi, who sees it as an excuse to challenge Piano Man to a duel of the fates at the next piano competition. Kaori at least took it the right way, having heard the performance via Verizon's 5G network, and inspiring her to invite Kosei for one last performance, a duet of the fates. I liked the duet. I liked um, how Kosei's playing pushed Nagi to 
uh, excel in her own playing. Like she was scared at first, but then she didn't want to be outdone. So it's like that friendly competition that kept her going. But just the whole episode, I'm like, it's a bit over the top that everyone idolizes him so much. Like everyone is obsessed with him. And he's just sitting here thinking, I'm just playing this fucking piano. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like he has no concept of how much he is idolized by these young musicians. I think that's another thing I struggle. He's just so humble. I guess so. Or maybe he's got other shit on his mind, like the fact that comedy's dying. Um, I just maybe I struggle with it because these are like elementary and junior high students. And I'm like, they are behaving in a way an adult would idolize somebody that they look up to. You know what I mean? Like mm. instead of just saying like, oh, this person's so fucking cool what they do. They're like, oh my God, he's he's amazing and I'm going to beat you and this is my life's goal. And blah, blah. I'm like, okay. I don't know. I'm just like I'm having a hard time connecting well, with that well, in the show. <laughs> he is a, a piano prodigy, and so there's that element of fame to him. But I could see the adults saying, "Wow, this kid is really impressive." But when the when the junior high students are like making it their life goals <laughs> oh, yeah, okay, to yeah. <laughs> to beat this guy who doesn't know that they even fucking mm. exist, I'm like, that's so anime. <laughs> that right? is very anime. <laughs> oh my god, absolutely. Well, I I love the aspect of this episode and similar episodes where the music just really speaks for itself. And here, like you said, it's Kosei challenging Nagi to keep pace with him while also at the same time kind of giving her a lesson in in bringing her out of her her funk about the expectations she's putting on herself in this performance. Uh, But having her learn to pour out her emotions onto the piano keys, as I said in the last episode. Uh, so it's a lot like Kosei seeing himself in Nagi, like with her struggles and again, trying to bring her out of her funk and wanting to chase after her brother Takeshi's attention. And then him at the end of their performance, allowing Nagi to revel in that moment of praise where the audience is having like is applauding them and having a standing ovation um calling it a performance that won't be forgotten which has like echoes of what happened when kosei and kaori last performed whether it was at the beginning of the series or at at a second point because i'm pretty sure they performed twice together and the second time was where where kaori fainted on stage um, but yeah, parallels here in in that sense. And then you pointed out it's Tchaikovsky's The Sleeping Beauty, uh, Rachmaninoff's piano duet arrangement of that song that they're playing, which I didn't realize you said is the actual song they used in Disney's movie Sleeping Beauty. Yeah, you'd never heard that before, so I pulled up a video for you. Well, when yeah, you started playing the song from from that Disney film, and then it rang a bell but i didn't realize they were actually using tchaikovsky's work in in that film so i learned something new about music that day okay we need to look this up and i just looked this up um on reddit under our shower thoughts no you know it's it's under our your lion april but it's a shower thought post okay they say arima kose performed with miyazono kaori only once only once which makes the story that much sadder really once i felt like it was twice but 
I mean. And then someone commented saying, yeah, it was another lie she told. We'll play together again, I promise. Oh, okay. So I mean, they did like spiritually, I guess. Like emotionally, they played together. There's the lie in April. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So there you go. That's why I was like, I'm pretty sure they only played one time, which is why it's so like, like really sad that even though they promised that they'll play together two more times, they attempted Mm -hmm. to play together two more times or intended to. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Because they were, she didn't show up to the one performance, and then when she was, you know, close Going to the end of her life, rehab. she's mm-hmm. like, well, "We're gonna do this." It didn't even fucking happen. Like, like literally, it didn't happen. But emotionally, it happens. Oh man, I guess I learned something else new. Although this is something that we watched, so I'm, I'm surprised we didn't recall that. But damn, that hits. <laughs> In episode 19, goodbye, hero. Kaori literally gives her arm and leg via rehab and surgery for the chance at a duet of the fates with Piano Man, while Tubaki Tsubaki thinks a free haircut for him is enough for him to give her the time of day. Beat Takeshi also has a change of heart and bends the knee for Piano Man thanks to an egg sandwich, begging the question, why is everyone trying so hard to suck Kosei's dick? Yeah, I didn't. Okay, I need you to explain something else to me. I didn't understand Takeshi saying like goodbye to his hero Kosei. Was this saying like I'm not gonna make it my life's goal anymore to beat you in piano playing? I think so. <laughs> I think he came to the realization that I. I think it's symbolized with how Kosei was so nonchalant about them enjoying the egg sandwich, uh, seeing that like. Kosei didn't really see them as competitors in that sense, but almost like like equals there. And then like each of them has like their own forte when it, no pun intended, has mm-hmm. their own forte when it comes to piano playing. Because they all right. do kind of have their own style. So instead of trying to beat one another, they should just embrace their own style. Is that like accurate? Is that fair to say? I would say so. And I think Chopin's revolutionary etude, which is the piece that Takeshi plays in this episode. Uh, kind of, I think musically, it, it kind of highlights this reflection that Takeshi has on his relationship with Kosei, his desire to want to be first amongst his peers, but then also the motivation that Kosei has indirectly given him, which has gotten him to this point. So uh, I think in this sense, instead of wanting to chase after his hero so much, he's saying goodbye hero um, as, as a way to understand like that's no longer the goal and more so for him to to be to be his own sort of pianist I guess okay that makes sense in episode 20 hand in hand oh great another Chewbacca Subaki update the Sundere softballer confesses her feelings for piano man even though it's pretty clear to fucking everyone that she's not quite his tempo Watari you doing and Piano Man have another regular visit to the real girl that matters, but are caught off guard as they see she is in the middle of an intense Grey's Anatomy ER scene, leaving Piano Man to try and save a dying kitten instead because metaphors. I, at this point, felt like Tsubaki was being so selfish. Like, yeah, I guess, you know, shoot your shot, whatever, that's fine. But to tell Kosei that he stands no chance against Watari... Um, and to love her instead 
first of all, that almost discounts the relationship uh, Tsubaki could have with Kosei and kind of like cheapens Tsubaki because she's treating herself as like a second place prize. Like you can't get first place, but you can <laughs> have me rebound. instead. <laughs> yeah, like she's like like discounting herself and cheapening herself. But then second, it's like she's not caring that Kaori is dying. Like, I, I don't know. I feel like if Kaori's at the end of her life anyway just let Kosei love her, <laughs> right? Like your competition is literally going to go away at a, at a certain point. What does it matter? Like I know they didn't know with certainty that she was going to pass away, but just the, the like the possibility. It's like, Subaki, do you not care that Kaori is dying? Like this is not the time for that, right? Like Kosei's already having to grapple with the fact that she might not be here. Kaori might not be here anymore. And then you also go and say, you don't stand a chance against Watari. Don't even try to pursue her just love me instead like i was like what the fuck is your problem yeah that's why like fuck Tsuwaki. <laughs> uh, she was such a annoying character um most especially in this second half because she's still trying to cling to the times of old rather than like just moving forward and i know she confesses her love to kosei and says like the time i exist in started flowing meaning that she's also going with the flow in, in this journey but yeah i think she's just approaching it in such a like cw teenage drama way when <laughs> there are much more serious things at hand although in the same kind of vein i feel like it's annoying that kosei also feels like second fiddle when it comes to watari like and how they have relationships with with Kaori. But it's interesting that that's the point that Kosa says, fuck it, I'm going to tell Watari that I like Kaori. Mm -hmm. I think that almost like propelled him to say, well, Tsubaki confessed to me, I'll just fucking confess to at least Watari. And I'm like, damn, that shows how much he really doesn't have feelings for Tsubaki. <laughs> um, but that, I mean, that hit hard when Kosei told Lot to do that. And then like, they're like, shit, we're going to, you know, have like a, a rivalry now or whatever. And Watari was like, yeah, bro, I already know that you like her. Let's go see her. And they're all happy go lucky. And then she has a medical emergency. I was mm -hmm. like, that was like, ooh, that hit. That hit like, just like the earlier episode where she's walking through the hallway and then her legs give out. I'm like, ooh, what's going on here? Now, with that said, I do think that having the cat be hit by a car was like laying it on a little too thick. We didn't mm. need that. Like, I get the parallel there, but I, I didn't need it. It actually almost kind of ruined the the moment for me when Kaori was having her medical emergency like that they should have stopped at that part that hit enough that was gut-wrenching enough we didn't need to also then see the cat be hit by the car that was just adding insult to injury <laughs> for mm -hmm. Kosei but like also just from a viewer perspective that was like okay now you guys are trying a little too hard in a show where they really don't try hard at all and are able to still hit you in the field so I was like eh that was that probably shouldn't have been in there yeah I mean I'm recalling this metaphor with this cat from the earlier half and i think the first episode of the show kaori encounters a similar cat right and then there's there's a whole story with uh kosei finding this this stray cat in his childhood and wanting to take care of it but then his mother like just ab like abandons the cat because he thinks or she thinks that it's too much of a distraction for him, right? Because it, it scratched his hand and she was worried about his hands being damaged. Yeah. And then he also has that dream where the cat's like in the dream or whatever talking to him. Mm-hmm. 
but the, it's like he, he never had any sort of closure with that cat and so, so I, the cat died <laughs> well no i think here it's like he has that opportunity now and it's he sees it kind of in tandem with Cowdy where if he's able to save this black cat maybe uh, like fate will change for Cowdy, but then it doesn't and then that's what causes him to have this breakdown at the end but i think the medical emergency alone would have been enough of a breakdown he freaked out when he saw that because again it's it's recalling it's him recalling memories of his mother like what she went through and everything mm-hmm. so that's why i was like what the whole cat thing i was like i didn't i didn't need that i didn't need that to feel or to at least appreciate what kose is going through in that moment so that's why i was like to me i don't think that should have been in there but i understand what they were trying to go for so it it is what it is in episode 21 snow Piano Man has turned into a recluse because his little heart can barely take it no more. However, upon receiving a note from Kaori forwarded from Watari Yuduing, he discovers that she made it relatively unscathed out of her Grey's Anatomy ER scene and still plans to proceed with her surgery, scheduled on the same day as the final piano competition, so that they can still have their duet of the fates, reinvigorating Piano Man to believe in the power of music and anime. Once that fateful day approaches, Piano Man nearly chokes on his song and his tears, but he gets by with a little help from his friends and, much like the doctor in charge of Kaori's operation, begins his piece with surgical precision. I liked this episode, but I think this is the point where I was like, like, where are we concerned here? Like with Kosei or with like Kaori and like her dying? Because I he was saying things in this episode where he was like, you're going to be leaving me. You're, you're going to be gone. And and I'm like, dude, she hasn't even died yet. You're talking to her like she's already <laughs> passed away. Mm-hmm. And uh, instead of being like, why don't you like root for her to recover and like give her positive thoughts? Like even if it is inevitable that she's going to die, why not tell her that you're rooting for her? Um, I just like I, I feel like it's weird that he's not at least hoping that she'll make it through the surgery and that the surgery will work for her. Instead, he's like, no, you're just going to leave me. You're going to die or whatever. And again, I get it's the trauma that he went through before. He can't handle it. But on some level, I'm like, does nobody want to tell Cody she's going to be OK, like, even mm-hmm. if it's a lie, like, you know, give her words of encouragement, because what I see here is that. Kaori, who's dying, has to be the one to support and uplift Kosei and get him out of his funk, even though she can't even play violin anymore. Even though she's she hasn't died yet, she already has lost the ability to play violin. I, I just is anyone going to come through and support her and to help her? <laughs> Maybe mm-hmm. I'm just like I feel so bad for her that like I, this kind of like gets to me, but I don't know. I think that's what distracted me from really appreciating episode 21 is just how. Everything was about Kosei, 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 instead of like somebody being like, but also Kaori. Yeah, and I think this that's all embodied in the line where he says, the people I care about, music takes them away from me. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> Which, yeah, I know that's played to dramatic effect, but just stepping back, it's like, yeah, well, Kaori's also like a, a couple days from death. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, and I think she says at some point, like when she's like after her her episode um and they're on the rooftop she says that it's his fault for her striving to continue to live so i guess uh that's a a, a little bit of a comeback for her <laughs> against kosei but then there's the moment where after she manages to stand up and pretend to play that violin melody uh 
she shows her vulnerability, which is kind of rare um, in this case um, when it comes to showing it to Kosei, saying that she is so scared to be left alone. And, and there you go. That's why I'm like, is anyone going to help this poor no, girl? <laughs> right, yeah. And so in like in theme with how lies sort of work in this series, it's like Kaori has been lying to Kosei this whole time by by showing her as a, a, a person a character of great strength but she is a character of great strength but you know like there are some points where it, i'm sure for her especially because she has this terminal illness where it can be too much and so i think this is where kosei finally realizes that he needs to be her source of comfort like he's grown so much to this point where he can embrace her and 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 give to, back to her right and try to comfort her and letting her know it, it's okay um and how he can express that through their journey in music together which is culminated with this competition where he plays uh chopin's ballad number one in g minor which to talk about that really quick i, I thought this was a terrific climax to use in tandem with one of Chopin's pieces. And I think Chopin is just the most appropriate composer to use. I love this song, by the way, because it's it was also featured on the soundtrack for the film, The Pianist. Um, and it's used brilliantly in that film. And I think the song is also used brilliantly here. But to comment on uh, Chopin, I, there was an NPR article about the composer where it said, no one before or since has contributed as many significant works to the piano's repertoire or come closer to capturing its soul. And I think that is perfectly embodied with this piece where, and I know it's played a lot in the final episode, but it just goes through a whirlwind of emotions. And I think that kind of perfectly captures the journey that Kosei has been through with, with Kaori and with him reconnecting with music. And in the final episode, episode 22, Spring Wind, Piano Man becomes so enveloped in his final piano competition piece that he is transported to the sky blue world of the Tokyo Ghoul opening, where a vision of Kaori appears for them to perform their long-awaited duet of the fates. As the piece draws to a close, however, Kaori becomes one with the Fortissimo, and Piano Man is transported back to this wistful and woeful world. At the dawn of spring, Piano Man receives a note from Kaori's parents left behind by the violent violinist, wherein she confesses that he was her bias all along, to which Piano Man fulfills the prophecy by exclaiming, So it was your lie in April. May the Fortissimo be with her. I could be wrong, but I feel like we barely heard a violin this whole time since Kaori got sick. Even mm -hmm. in the soundtrack, again, I could be wrong because, you know, like music isn't isn't my forte. So sometimes this stuff goes right over my head. Um, so when the violin plays in this final episode, when she, you know, spiritually, spiritually plays, it sounds just like so familiar, so refreshing. It just like pierces through in a good way because you're like, oh, shit, this I forgot about the sound until now, which is why I feel like maybe there hasn't been as much violin in, in the show since this point yeah, or until probably... this point. They wanted to build up to this moment where they have their 
quote unquote, they have their duet. And it sounds gorgeous. Like I just, I love how it just like pulls me into the show the second she starts like metaphorically playing. But I love the pristine shots of the grand piano or the Steinway and Sons piano since that brand has been so heavily featured in the series. I think this episode starts with that. It's It just presents it as such a daunting build of an instrument that just shares and encompasses so much beauty. And that itself, too, is reflected in Kosei's journey and in this final piece that he plays with Kaori. Uh, I love that they both share the line saying, inside me, you exist, where they are metaphorically holding hands because of their special musical connection and how this musical connection allows them to live on in each other's memories and to give that special performance that they've always hoped for, like giving an unforgettable performance to the audience. But it's interesting because once Kosei finishes his piece, there isn't a moment that we see where he revels in the applause like that moment that Kaori says musicians live for because Kaori isn't there to share the moment with him. We're only seeing the tears flowing from his eyes. Yeah, and I feel like at that point, it's not even about performing for everybody else. It's about performing for her because, Mm -hmm. well, I mean, to be fair, he does kind of break down and then he realizes like, you know, wait, the people I care about are still in the audience. There are still people I can play for, Mm -hmm. but the one person I want to play for isn't here in this moment. Right. But then I got to ask the question, which I think I know the answer to. Does Kosei never get to confess to Kaori? Or do we assume that maybe he confessed when, you know, after the rooftop conversation when he brings her back to her Mm. room? I want to say no. I want to say like he was pretty, not like surprised, but like, you know, there was a feeling of like surprise on some level when he read her note and she said she confessed to him in the note. Which mm-hmm. like kills me inside because then she technically died never knowing that her feelings were returned to her. And I kind of feel like maybe Subaki prevented Kosei from pursuing her and confessing by saying don't even try. I mean, I don't think she literally did. I think Kosei was still going to do whatever he wanted to do. But she tried to prevent it. I don't know. I'm just like this whole thing is like confusing me because I'm like, wow. So basically, not only did she not live, but she also never got to know that Kosei loved her in return. Well, I think it's in line with Kosei's nature for him not to have confessed. But also, I think just because they have such a strong bond with each other, like that connection sort of implies to Kaori that she he probably did have feelings for her, even though he never said it outright. So I'll, I'm going to let that kind of live as my headcanon. The music resonated the feelings for them right because there's always that theme across many characters where it's like will i be able to reach that person Mm -hmm. and oftentimes it's with music will my playing be able to reach that person that i want these emotions to reach but then for subaki since she doesn't play music she was hitting those softballs towards the music room window thinking like will i be able to reach kosei so i'm i'm thinking even though we don't get confirmation of it here I think, to your point, the music, the emotion that travels through the music did reach Kosei and did reach Kaori from each other. Mm -hmm. And then you have the second half of this episode, which plays out like an epilogue of sorts, where it's narrated by Kaori and her delivering her final letter to Kosei. 
Although it was funny because as I was listening to this and watching it, it this kind of plays out like those, you know, those Asian commercials that tug at your heartstrings and then they end up advertising like a fucking bank. Yeah. <laughs> That's what this felt like. But, you know, it still had the emotional tinges with it. Uh, very interesting that it's Kaori seeing herself as a background character uh, in her wanting to build up a relationship with Kosei, especially when it's revealed that she was sitting next to that pianist, Emmy, in her memory when they were both watching Kosei perform. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, it, it's not like, like, obviously, Kaori is very different from Emmy in that she didn't want to compete with Kosei. It was more so that she was so enamored by his way of playing that she wanted to share that love of music with him. And then we learn about what the actual lie in April was. That she actually liked Kosei, not Watari. Yeah, or that she said that she liked Watari, right? That was the lie. Yeah, the lie was that she, well, yeah, maybe I said it weird, but yeah, so <laughs> she she truthfully, or the truth is that she liked Kosei, but said that she liked Watari to get close to him. Yeah. And so like that was like the the mind blowing thing for me. It was like, whoa, there was an actual lie in April. Yeah, <laughs> the the title wasn't kidding around. <laughs> yeah. And the, I just love that this whole epilogue sort of scene is punctuated by the return of the first ED, which is Kirameki by Wachi, but this very orchestral version. I think that just made this whole narrative, this this final goodbye to Kosei from Kaori more emotionally fitting it gave me that musical frisson remember that word oh yeah <laughs> from our first review <laughs> that musical frisson man it hit hard one last thing i do want to say about this episode and, and really the end of coyote's story is uh that it, they didn't show her actually dying they didn't need to just like we mm -hmm. didn't need to get confirmation of what her terminal illness was we didn't need to see coyote die like kosei was able to say his goodbye um, they were able to have their their last like physical moment together, at least that we saw on screen. Um, and we knew that she was going into a risky surgery with a low likelihood of success. And that was it. Like we, we didn't need to, to harp on that or like, you know, push push too hard on the emotion by actually showing her passing away. I thought that was a beautiful choice. And that brings us to our final thoughts for your lie in April. So, how many Kosei's on the keys out of 10 would you give this series? So, I would give it a 9 out of 10. Now, I enjoyed it more like an 8 out of 10, but I do feel objectively this is a 9 out of 10 anime. And I think it's because it does a lot of things different than your typical like slice of life music romance anime. As a music anime, I prefer this type of show or this type of storytelling because it's more about the connection between music and life and how music is an expression of human emotion and how that emotion can shape music. It has some elements of like competition in it, uh, especially with like Emmy and, and Takeshi and whatever. But it's not a show that's like, oh, my God, we got to win this competition so we can make it to nationals. Like I've seen so many music anime that focus on like the competition of it versus like just the way music can be ingrained in your life and how it can influence your life and really be a, a major part of your life. So I just thought that was so refreshing because part of me was a little apprehensive going into another music anime because when it's about the competition and, and almost like the technicalities of music, I start to kind of 
not lose interest, but I can't relate with it entirely um, because I'm not I'm not Carl. I'm not the the creative musical one. So this I thought was a great way to portray music in a way that a musician like Carl can appreciate, but also a non-musician like me can appreciate. Also, this anime shows you can write a beautiful love story without actually showing any of the romance. Not to say that there weren't some beautiful scenes between Kose and Kaori, but really, I mean, we didn't get a lot of it because Kose never even realized that Ka- Kaori liked him or vice versa. So you still have this fantastic romance where you can feel the love um, and you can feel the connection and the bond between the two characters. And you don't have those, you know, constant romantic moments. You don't have that slow burn. You don't even have a confession besides Kaori's at the end, like after her passing. Um, you don't have any of that. Yet I can still feel the romance and the love that this story is portraying. So I thought that's fantastic. Um and, and all of the writing pieces, the, the writing choices that I've talked about in these two reviews that we've done, um, again, the way that they kind of give us a slow trickle of Kosei's backstory, and we find out later what his mom's true thoughts and true intentions were. I mean, that was fantastic. Just all of the ways that they approach these things that deviate from the norm, um, but still give us a well-rounded story that hits you in the feels. Like, I, th- I just thought all of that was so strong in this show. What about you? I, too, would give Your Lion April a 9 out of 10. Despite a majority of recycled themes and plot points that permeate its second half, I think the series as a whole has been a wonderful look at how music transcends beyond just simple rhythms and melodies or <laughs> beyond like the beeps and the boops <laughs> to, to become a bridge that allows people to connect with others and empathize with others on a level that cannot be seen by the naked eye. And this overarching theme of being able to reach people, especially through this avenue of music, is one theme that I will certainly take away from my experience with the show for how beautifully it is captured in the relationship between Kosei and Kaori. I think each of them has imbued color into the other's life in a myriad of ways, and even at such an adolescent age, have had fruitful experiences through which they can really learn to be appreciative of life's joys and sorrows to create a symphony of their own. And the utilization of piano and violin pieces to convey these emotions and expressions of feeling in these characters was just absolutely stellar, and it renewed my own appreciation for the classical genre and how it seems to just perfectly capture the human soul. So while I think that this anime or this music anime may not have had as significant of an impact on me as Kids on the Slope had, it certainly is up there in a similar tier. And I can finally justify for myself after all these years that Your Lie in April is deserving of its high praise. So where words fail, music speaks, people. Remember that. So we can finally check Your Lie in April off our watch list. Thank you to everybody over the years who has recommended Your Lie in April to us. We get it. Now we understand why this is such a beloved show, why people recommend it so many times over, because it really is a very beautiful story and and superbly written. Um, So yeah, thank you everyone who's encouraged us to watch it. We've done it. Yes. Now I feel like I should pick up the piano again, although I'm probably going to wake my our baby up (laughs) if I do it right now. 
And of course, thank you to all of you guys for listening and going on this Your Lion April journey with us and tuning in, of course, each and every week to hang out with us. As always, subscribe to Strictly Animate on your favorite podcast service. Join our Discord to chat with us. Follow us on Instagram at the Strictly Series, on Twitter or X or whatever the fuck it is now at Strictly Series, <laughs> and check out our website, thestrictlyseries.com. If you'd like to support the show, like our newest patron, Powell, or how do you pronounce it, Carl? Pavel. Then head over to patreon.com slash the Strictly Series and tune into Strictly JoJo, our other podcast dedicated to JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. All links are in the description. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, stay safe, stay healthy, stay weeb. <laughs>